Hey guys, I'm Tamara Melton. And I'm Dana Bellany. We are the co-founders of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit community dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Welcome to Feed Me the Facts. How are you doing today, Deanna? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, today, I'm excited that we get to talk a little bit about microaggressions. We always bring up that word. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that we definitely all know is kind of happening in our profession in dietetics, but we've not talked about it that much. So I think that it's it's a good thing that we're actually you know delving into this topic because it's something I think that definitely affects who decides to choose this educational pathway in this career and who decides to stay long-term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we've heard the top the, the phrase for um, a long time, but maybe for some people that don't really know the definition um, of a microaggression, um, you know, I went to a kind of seminar about dealing with microaggressions um, at the medical school in Boston here where I, I work. And so he gave a really good um, definition um, and it is, a brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignity, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicates hostile, derogatory, or negative racial slights and insults towards people of color. Um, and I guess just kind of in layman terms, it's just like those little cuts and things that people say that they don't really realize is kind of insulting and um, makes you seem um, superior as a person saying it that can really weigh heavy on the person that's receiving those kind of comments and microaggressions. Yeah, and you and I, when we first met, you kind of told me uh, how you came to the idea of what is now diversified dietetics, had what I thought was a pretty, I say shocking, that might be a little bit extreme, but what I thought was an experience as a young professional mm -hmm. at FENCI. Um, so I think I know I always ask you to share this, but I think yeah. it's it's a perfect example of of microaggressions that happen a lot in our profession. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think I, I definitely agree. It's it's a good example of what it can look like. And I had kind of two specific ones that I always um, give. One is kind of more overt than the other, but the first one was just you know um, at Fincy on the conference floor um, looking for free stuff as as you do at Fincy. Um, and I was waiting in line with a colleague of mine who was also a black dietitian. Um, and a lady who was in front of us waiting um, in the line as well kind of turned around and was just like shocked to see us there. So she kept kind of doing her double takes um, and then told us both like, oh, you know, there's not that many of you here. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of off-putting, but also made me personally feel that like I wasn't supposed to be in this space where, you know, I'm also a dietitian just like she is. So um, that was one example. Um, and then that same conference, um, I think it was the next day, um, I was looking at a poster presentation and it was kind of looking at, you know, barriers that students of colors face in dietetic internships and kind of how um, educators can help over them overcome those barriers. Um, and a uh, white instructor was talking to the white um, poster presenter and said, um, you know, well, I had an African-American um, not pass the RD exam that went through my program, so I just don't know. Um, so again, I would, I would definitely call that one slightly more of a macroaggression yeah. than a microaggression, but, but yeah, it's just those kind of biases that come out um, in, in ways that aren't as overt, not, not necessarily overt racism, um, but yeah, to just kind of make you as the individual kind of hearing or receiving those comments feel 
um, like you don't belong. For me specifically, that's how it made me feel. Yeah, definitely, Kana. And we know um, with us starting Diversified Dietetics, we've had the great privilege of meeting a whole lot of students and interns and young professionals. And I say mm -hmm. a lot, it's relative because we definitely don't have as many people of color um, in our profession, but we have heard several different examples of these microaggressions um, from people saying, you know, former preceptors, um, you know, talking about them behind their backs and saying, I don't even know why they're here. Yeah. Or from instructors in the foods course, assuming that because someone's black, that they understand how collard greens are cooked, but that person's actually Dominican and that's not even what they eat. So there's things like that. And that's definitely in our context of our profession, but that's what happens when your profession has so few people of color, mm -hmm. a little diversity is that there is a pervasive, pervasive kind of a culture of saying things that are, that are microaggressions. Right. And the thing that we've heard that I think that's critical to this and the reason why we talk about it, because some people might think of this, let's just focus on you know, the things that are related to academics or mm -hmm. related to finances, to getting into a dietetic internship. But people want to feel comfortable around their coworkers and in their profession. And if we don't have more awareness around these types of things, then we might successfully be able to get students to choose this educational pathway. But if they have to deal with microaggressions, not only in their own lives, but once they come into the classroom and then when they get into a dietetic internship, then that some of them are not as resilient to stay in the pathway and just kind of power through. They decide, and it's totally fine and they're right to decide to go to a different right. career field that they feel like they're gonna feel more welcome and not deal mm -hmm. with as many microaggressions. Yeah. And I think it gets really hard, you know, as a student, because you're stuck between, you know, do I say something and, you know, possibly risk, you know, my, my career or my internship or, you know, um, repercussions that might come from like your educators or your preceptors, or do I say something and kind of get pegged as, you know, that angry person or as the sensitive person um, that people feel like, you know, they have to tiptoe around. So it's just kind of a double-edged sword sometimes. Yeah. And so thinking about that, um, I don't know about you. I was one of few people of color in my internship. Overall, I was at a more diverse campus um, and more diverse program than most, I think, um, in Atlanta, in the school that I went to, um, both not so much in undergrad, but definitely in graduate school in Atlanta. Um, so, and I actually had a phenomenal program director who was not about it when it came to things like this. Mm -hmm. She was not about racism awesome. or microaggressions or anything. So I feel like I've been kind of insulated both in undergrad and graduate um, graduate school I had that so I, I felt like I didn't have that um, those issues even though I may have been only one of or two people of color in my internship but one thing that I think is important for us to talk about is you know how do you have as a student handle being the only person of color you know in their program mm -hmm. and still thrive in their program yeah that's a really like the key question. Um, so, I mean, I, I share kind of a similar experience where I didn't really recognize it within my internship group, but when I went to go to my different rotations and saw um, interns from other sites, um, it's where it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of, you know, what people were talking about when they were talking about what a dietitian quote unquote looks like. 
Um, and I think the biggest thing for me, and, and one thing I would definitely tell other, other students, is the importance of finding a community and finding kind of people that you can either vent to or that you can talk to, even if they're not kind of in the dietetic world, but just kind of having that safe space. Um, because come, sometimes it can be kind of taxing mentally um, and physically to, to, to be the only one, quote unquote. So um, I remember, I, I think in my internship, I joined a young professional organization for um, um, black young professionals in the Houston area. And it was just nice to kind of have those times when I can go into the room and like be around people who, you know, look like me, who had similar experience because they were also working professionals and sometimes a not so diverse um, environment. So yeah, I would definitely say community is one of those big things that that you should try to find outside of your internship or even within your internship if, if the opportunity presents itself um, to help. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, one thing that we've tried to provide with our community are those connections. So if mm -hmm. students not quite sure where to go or to find someone, that's why we created this virtual community. I think it's also important to, to not let the, um, where you're comfortable, and maybe this, this is important for a student to have a mentor to talk to about this, but if you're dealing with microaggressions with your preceptor, with your co uh, your sorry, your, um, your fellow classmates, coworkers if you're working or anything like that, but especially in the academic environment, you mm -hmm. need to let your program director know or let someone know who you're comfortable with because you might have an issue with the program director, but you need to have some place to go to so that you can talk to someone about this because yeah. you're probably not the only person of color in that internship who has dealt with that. We have talked to so many people who are one or two or three people who've come through over several years of a particular dietetic internship or mm -hmm. program who mentioned the same professor who's kind of this repeat offender who apparently is out there who is um, either blatantly racist or putting up even more barriers for students of color or holding them to a different standard that their white peers are not being held to. And so it's important to, to talk to someone about that because the way that our profession works, we rely on our grades. We rely on letters of recommendation. If you don't have a letter of recommendation from your program director, it's always looked at most of the time. It's looked at suspiciously um, by an internship director who might be looking at your application. And if you're not comfortable asking that person to write you a letter or they won't do it, that is something that you want to, you know, talk about. I'm not saying that students, you know, are not going to be trying to get away with not doing their work or something like that. But it's if you have, you know, a legitimate issue going on that you need to talk to about it. So it might be somebody at your college who's an ombudsperson, if you've not heard of that term before, but there's someone who helps with, with conflicts who's a neutral third party. Mm -hmm. um, and they are often there on behalf of students as well. And so, and you should have, if you're an intern, and the policies, there should be policies in there as to who you go to if you have challenges with your preceptors and or your director. There should be um, channels that you can go to so that you can talk to someone because it will affect not only the way that you feel about how you're doing in that that program, but it could potentially affect your ability to advance on in your educational pathway. Yeah, absolutely. I know in one of the meetups, um, this was actually brought up and um, on the campus that the student was talking about, it was called a student advocate. Um, I don't, it might have different names on different campuses, but um, and that's their job. It's, it's to be able to, to kind of help facilitate those conversations and to, to bring awareness to some of the issues that the students are facing with um, either educators or with peers. And so definitely, if you don't feel comfortable going to your director, finding those resources that are available on campus, because um, 
more likely than not that they, they're there. So absolutely, that's a good point. Right. And I always remember that we're here. <laughs> that's why we created right. <laughs> right? um, and not necessarily the two of us specifically, but the community. Right. Um, one thing that you will have is know that you can, if you do reach out and you have a, a challenge that's going on, um, that you can, you know, talk about it with, in a in a space where you feel safe. Um, that's why we we have these these safe spaces for students to be able to communicate with us, and and we're working really hard to make sure that that gets back to the proper individuals who need to hear about it, um, so that we can start to to shift these these little things. Like you said, I like how you said it's these little, um, just kind of. I feel like they're little. Like dabs, cuts. dabs, yeah, these little cuts that <laughs> yeah. it's like a slow, slow death, right? <laughs> Instead of you know that that people don't realize that students of color, people, people of color, deal with every single day. It's not just in their programs, and so it's things that they deal with all the time. And so that's why we're here. We want um, we want to get um, the word out that you know you guys can definitely reach out if you have any questions. If you're in a particular you know sticky situation, we you know we had a conversation with a couple of students a few weeks back about something like that. And we're mm -hmm. happy to, to facilitate those and, and get resources. So those, even those types of resources, that's the difference that we wanted to make in creating this community. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, just to kind of go back to the research, because we as dietitians, of course, love research, like this, these microaggressions definitely play a role in, in people's health physically and their mental health. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're listening and you're not an RD of color, um, it plays a role in your patient's health, kind of the microaggressions that you can kind of give to your patients and um, your, their perceived racism of the, of the things that you may or may not say. So um, we definitely recognize our audience is, is sometimes broad, but if you are an RD um, and you're not a person of color um, and you are looking to be an ally to an RD of color or to, to the diversified dietetics mission, um, it's definitely um, your responsibility to speak up when you hear things that are questionable um, and not to speak kind of on behalf of the person that, that you feel like um, the microaggressor is offending, but kind of just to um, to give your perspective on why you think that it was inappropriate for them to say X, Y, and Z. Um, so we definitely appreciate um, allyship and um, definitely call you to action if you hear these, those sorts of things um, in your program, on your workplace, um, in your school, um, wherever it may be. And that's, you know, a great point. Um, maybe in our show notes, we will definitely put out some links to some articles, not mm -hmm. only for students um, and for young professionals who are of color, but for allies as well. And one that's a really interesting one that talks about working with um, with our clients and patients and how having cultural humility is really important and having structural competency mm -hmm. is, a, is also um, a skill set that we need to have all of us it doesn't matter who we are because we all can have microaggressive behavior no matter who we are towards another group especially if they are um, marginalized mm -hmm. or if we have some sort of privilege over them and there's all kinds of privilege um, so we'll definitely put that out there because I think just having the awareness about it some of the concepts that we're talking about here are new to people yeah. especially in the context of our profession and so and we're totally we totally understand that we're also learning all the time ourselves too um, about this so we'll definitely put some links out there to give you some more um, just kind of starting place to, to give you some food for thought um, and 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 again you know this is a space to to have a conversation ask questions so um, that's what we want to be here for and pr provide that in this community Absolutely. I have a question for you, Tamara. As an educator, um, how do you deal with microaggressions in your classroom? I know we're specifically talking about students dealing with it kind of on a day-to-day, -day, but as a, as a person that is an educator and that, you know, 
um, has students around them. Um, how, how do you deal with it if you see it? Or do you have a situation where it's happened and um, how do you deal with it? You know, it's really interesting. I teach at Georgia State University, which is minority majority institution. And I've taught two different groups of students, health informatics students and nutrition students. Here's the curious thing. Uh, the nutrition students are so, there's so little diversity Mm. There's so little microaggressions in there <laughs> because it's such a homogenous group. Wow. And then my health informatics students were so diverse that there were so little diver so little microaggressions because they all were kind of in it together. So it's an interesting question that you ask. I came from such a and where I teach at is such a diverse campus, except for you know the the nutrition program. It's it's mm -hmm. not as much. What I would do, what I would do if I did have that, because I can't think of anything that that comes to mind. Um, and I, and thankfully to date, I've not had any, um, sort of situation where a student came to me and said that they've had to deal with anything they felt was, uh, kind of a microaggression or even blatant racism. Um, but what I would do is definitely go to the person who caused the, that feeling towards the, the other separately. I wouldn't bring them together and have this whole, you know, powwow and me trying to mediate between them, but go mm -hmm. to them and, and definitely let them know of the situation and how that other student felt. The biggest thing that I do though, and this might be controversial, I don't know. This is my own personal philosophy in the way that I have handled microaggressions myself in corporate America and also just in our profession. There is definitely a risk that you take in calling someone out, especially mm -hmm. if they're your superior. And I'm very, very aware of that. There are some times where I will tell a student, you know, if they're a student of color, and I've had a lot of these conversations, I always like to tell them, what can you do? What is in your control to change the outcome of the situation? And to really think through what the consequences might be. And as I mentioned before, you know, sometimes it's, it's important to go to, like you said, a student advocate or ombudsperson or something like that. Mm -hmm. But real talk, if you're out in corporate um, and you have that happen or you're out in, in the clinical world or something like that, if you're actually working, you're not in that, that college space, or if you're in a program where whoever you would go to talk to may not be your ally, I tell students to think that through. Yeah. And to really think through what could possibly happen, um, what just un, unintended consequences of that situation. And to really have someone else to talk to who is familiar with your situation, you know, a mentor or something like that to, to think that through because it's important to call out a microaggressor and to make them aware. Sometimes they're not even aware of it, yeah. but some people are aware and they don't care and they're in a space where they're able to affect the, the student's change. A student, a student um, position is one of less privilege no matter who the student is. That just is to your professor or program director, that's just, or preceptor. That's the way that that structure works. And so I want them to think through that. Some things are honestly things that you know you're never gonna be around that preceptor again. You will one day be their colleague and then, then you can work on that situation when you're in more of a, a level playing field with that person. Um, but sometimes you do need to go talk to somebody. And th at that point, it's critical to really think through who should I talk to about this? I'm not going to tell everybody in my, my classmates because they may not be your allies or um, every, you know, preceptor or professor or co coworker who might be at that rotation that you're with or something to really think that through. So that's why I want to stress again, it's so important to have, like you said, a community, 
and mentors and somebody to bounce things off of. Because when you're new starting out as a person of color, like you mentioned your experiences at Fency, you get hit by a couple of those things. You can't even believe it happened. Right. And it kind of like blindsides you. And you're thinking, wow, I thought everybody would just be so happy to see me here. I'm just a student. Like, I'm just like everybody else. Unfortunately, it's not that way. So you want to make sure that you have people that you can trust. But that's what I always sit down and talk to my students about, really talking about that, um, keeping in mind that they, they have a career and a reputation that they want to start building up um, over time. And it is possible to do that. It just takes some time. It's important to have um, just some, some folks who are more experienced who can, who can be there as kind of a sounding board and give you advice. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, so yeah, so we will include resources um, in our notes. Um, and you know, I think this is a really important topic. We definitely wanna encourage a dialogue uh, further about it, either through our Facebook group or Instagram, um, or just sending us an email. So um, keep in touch and let's keep the conversations going. Yes, and definitely know that coming up in our next episodes of Feed Me the Facts, we really, want to delve in on topics like this that are very specific for students of color, but also really practical topics, but come kind of from the angle of if you are a student of color, maybe you're first one in your family to go to college or graduate school or just understanding this whole internship thing. So please keep in touch, especially on our Instagram. We'll be posting some questions about the topics that we have coming up that are related to the whole dietetic internship pathway, as well as other particular challenges and opportunities related to students um, who are in the dietetics profession and young professionals. So like Dana said, please reach out to us and keep in touch and email us, DM us, whatever. And um, thanks so much for your time today. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Be sure to subscribe to the Feed Me the Facts podcast on the iTunes store. Rate and leave us a review. Find more information about the Diversified Dietetics community, our programs, and our events on the website, diversifiedietetics.org.